Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery and Darcy Burke, a safe space to discuss water, agriculture, and what makes California grow. We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today. Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, sending in your questions, and submitting your request to be our guest. Let's get this conversation started. Welcome, Fritz. We're very excited to have you in to uh, We Grow California. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your involvement in Sites Reservoir, and anything else you think our listeners might want to know? Sure. Well, thank you so much for for having me here this morning uh, to chat about uh, Sites Reservoir and Northern California. So uh, I have been, uh, I'm a farmer here in not only uh, near the Sacramento River where I raise rice and other row crops, but I also 20 miles to the west. I'm in the, the foothills and the, the picture here behind me is, you know, we have a combine that goes around the side of the hills to harvest wheat and barley and oats. Um, we have beef cattle, um, quite a few organic crops, uh, asparagus, alfalfa, uh, different seeds. And um, uh, I was asked to join the Reclamation District 108 board back in 1995. And uh, I, I was young and the board members were were quite a bit senior to me. I, I tried to get them to, we, we kind of just hunkered down and thought only about our own little district and we didn't think about the world around us. And uh, I got them to start to think about the world around us and the environment uh, and what could we do to, to have all boats rise together. Um, my board uh, from RD 108 in the late 90s started working with some other local districts, Glen Calusa Irrigation District and the Tehama Calusa Canal Authority. And we were working with the concept of taking the, the sites reservoir project, which had been studied since the fifties by the state of California, by DWR, taking it away from DWR and actually looking at it ourselves and say, not only is it feasible, but is it affordable and buildable? And shortly after that, um, we, we started to work on a JPA. I was uh, uh, honored to be uh, included in a tour of Metropolitan and we drove around and we looked at Diamond Valley, which was at that point was still under construction. And you know what really struck me was that Metropolitan had multiple sources of water. And you know, unlike me, uh, I, I'm a Sacramento River settlement contractor, like the exchange contractors, a lot of us only have a single source of water. And um, that was a real eye opener for me. And I've since have put in a couple groundwater wells. And uh, also we, we further developed the sites project. And it wasn't given to us, uh, it was reluctantly given to us by DWR. And um, we, we right away we said, okay, what is this project? And we have some, it's all local people. Uh, the first obstacle we had to overcome was to get the people in Northern California to realize this was gonna be water for California, not just Northern California. And um, I still remember initially uh, Metropolitan came up and they toured the site and they looked at the valley and talked about plans and, and uh, Randy record, mm -hmm. uh, he said, you know, Hey, I don't know that you guys want us to even be known to be associated with the project because it could be seen, perceived as a Southern California water grab. Yep. 
Well, we worked with our locals and we got them to realize that, that this is for the benefit of all of us. And we also um, developed the, the, the philosophy that beneficiary pays. We weren't gonna go in and ask for huge amounts of money from the state or federal government because that money takes too long to get. Comes with red and tape too, you Fritz. You go through too many years. Of, <laughs> oh yes, definitely. So, so it was about beneficiary pays. And then we worked on uh, Prop 1. And um, thank heaven the, the voters uh, approved Prop 1 and came up with money where the state of California is now actually, they are the beneficiaries of the water for the environment. So my water district felt that it was going to be really important that um, we develop this project because if we don't, they're going to come after our senior water rights for the environment. Well, here we are in 2022, and yeah, they took water away from us for the environment. So, uh, this, this, this is right this now. is not the first time. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it will be the last. And and first, can I ask you? I'm kind of curious because uh, you were mentioning the valley, and 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 I'm not sure in the top of my head where exactly is the location of the reservoir going to be, you know, and in terms of also what it's pr proposed. Uh, what its allocation, you know, what, how we're going to, what water is going to go in and out of it, you think? Great. Yeah, good question. So if you ever go up I-5 towards Lake Shasta, about a, a third of the way from Sacramento towards Shasta is a little community called Maxwell. And the Sykes Reservoir will be in a valley to the west of Maxwell. Um, it's an off-stream storage. There is an ephemeral stream that comes down through there that, you know, when we get a, a big, uh, um, uh, atmospheric river. I mean, it can flow and flood and cause local local damage. But for the most part, we're going to divert water off the Sacramento River using two existing canal facilities. One of them is the Tehama Calusa Canal, which is a bureau project. And the other one is the Glen Calusa Irrigation District. And the water is going to flow from the river through these canals down to about the Maxwell area. And there it will get pumped up into the Sice Reservoir. And the source of water, we're currently right now, we have uh, submitted our application to the state water board or for permits. And the water that we're saying we're gonna capture is all the water that, the rainwater that falls below Shasta. So we're not gonna compete with water, uh, molecules of water that go into Shasta. Shasta is still independent and we'll pick up the stuff from Stony Creek, Battle Creek, um, many of these other tribs that are very flashy in the wintertime um, when we get a storm that comes through. So uh, it's gonna be about a million and a half acre feet right now. And that yield is gonna be around 200, 250,000 uh, 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 acre feet. That's really interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm personally excited. I love the concept of off, I like off stream reservoirs because of the flexibility it provides when so much of our reservoir system is is about flood control, that the offsite stuff lets you have more flexibility when it comes to you know what you what and why and how you release it. So so Fritz. Yeah, well um, said. So I was just going to say, you know, one point million acre feet, um, and you had mentioned uh, Metropolitan and former Chairman Randy Record. Um, who is is Meta partner? Do you have other partners? Who who all came to the table to help support this project? Yeah, great question. So right now, the project, uh, we, we call it the Reservoir Committee. It's a subgroup of the JPA. And it's the Reservoir Committee is comprised of all the people who actually are going to be buying water, going to be buying space in the reservoir. 
And right now it's about 22% of the participants are Northern California water agencies. And the, the remainder of the other 78% are those south of the Delta uh, in the San Joaquin area, uh, South San Joaquin Valley, and also metropolitan and many of the municipal water districts in that area there. Um, so, uh, metropolitan is in for um, a big chunk of water. I don't remember the number offhand, but maybe about um, 15 to 20% in that range in there. And uh, um, so, so we also have uh, folks from the Bay Area who are participating in the reservoir uh, committee as well. Um, lots of people, you know, we, we went out initially, we asked for people to submit um, applications and we, we got just barely enough to uh, satisfy what we were designing in terms of mm -hmm. reservoir. And then, you know, we had the wet years and that, that, kind, that interest kind of waned a little bit. And now today we have a waiting list, excuse me, with 11 different agencies uh, waiting to, to join in. Now the Bureau of Reclamation is also in currently for 7% and uh, they can go up to 25%, but we're asking them to make their mind up here in the next uh, six weeks because we've got to know whether other people can come in or not. And the Bureau is going to be an important uh, participant because by allowing them to take some of their water and store it in Shasta, excuse me, or in sites and exchange it, it'll be very valuable, especially for the cold water pool up in Shasta. So that can be big fish benefits there. Um, I was going to say, are you expecting example, a lot of potential exchanging going on? I mean, that that's what kind of... Because in terms of new water, I thought you said 200,000. Is that is that what it is? It's like it'll store this much, but you think new water, it's 200,000 acre feet, something like yeah, that? Average annual yield is about 225,000 acre feet. Yeah. See, in, it, in my head, I feel like that's the argument people have had against um, temperance flat, that it's not enough new water. But in reality, I find a lot of times our biggest issue is, is just controlling the water we have. And like, I, I know I already said a little bit, but that's why off, off stream would be so great. Cause I feel like there'd be a lot of potential interagency moving around of water so that everybody can, can create a more uh, holistic balance between all the in, in interested parties. It definitely gives you flexibility in operations. I mean, there, yeah. there's no question about that. And Metropolitan is a perfect example. Diamond Valley Lake has gotten us through the last few droughts, whether they were man-made or, or weather-based. Um, we like to say we save for a sunny day, and it may not be new water. Maybe water we bring off the Colorado or state water project when we have it, and we just keep it, right? So, you well, know, well, it, it's important. You know, I was even going to throw in there, too, in terms of uh, water banking, you know, which is a big thing everybody talks about. It's huge because you're not, I mean, you know, you're if, if the slug of water comes when the farmer, when the, because to recharge the ground, it's kind of got to be a steady flow which means for groundwater recharge, you also need surface water storage to then easily, so you don't compact the ground to put the water back into, into the ground. And this, this is, I think, a great, you know, a great project for it. Hey, Fritz, you talked about who was getting what percentage of water. Um, I know in the water district that I sit on here in Southern California, our con capital improvement projects have gone up 20, 25% in the last nine months. What's your estimated cost? Well, the most recent is is stale. It's apparently about a year old, and it was four point four billion dollars for the project. 
Um, we are in the process right now of doing geotech work. We just uh, approved uh, the environmental document uh, yesterday, and that will tell us a lot more about what it's going to take to build the infrastructure necessary. But you know, the reality is 4.4, so it's going to cost more than that. It is with the inflation that we see. Yeah. I will tell you though that Diamond Valley Lake, which you mentioned that you toured, uh, was estimated to be two billion dollars, and that's in the mid to late 90s, right? And Metropolitan finished on time and under budget, so it actually came in at 1.9 billion. So you know, taking it out into local control, there's cost savings even as a, a uh, special district or a JPA that you will see that had it been maybe a state or federal project, uh, you could double that 4.4. So I, I, well, I, I have a, great hope for you. That's encouraging. And thank you. And that's, that's why we formed the JPA um, because we had to, to be nimble and the project, if somebody is familiar with the project using uh, information that's over five years old, project has changed substantially. Um, we have eliminated uh, about, gosh, almost a $2 billion pipeline and fish screen um, because we didn't really need it. And we have an alternative uh, method of delivery. We're just gonna use existing Tame Occlusa Canal and let the water flow down the canal to the very end, build a, a five mile pipeline and then let it flow down through the Delta Estuary system. So. Uh, we saved a lot of money and uh, you know, trying to keep this project affordable. Um, one other thing that has really changed is, is how we view the project. And it's a new way of, of, of working with water. So if you are a participant and you buy into the project, basically what you're doing is you're buying storage in the reservoir. And so if you buy into 5% of the storage, then you're entitled to 5% of the, the discharge pipeline as well. And if on the day you want your water, everybody else wants their water, you get 5% of the capacity. But mm -hmm. we're hoping that through operations that, that everybody needs their water at different times. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, we rice growers, we're gonna want the water in um, uh, April and May. That's the big demand. That's when they can't release water from Shasta for uh, cold water reasons. Um, and then later on in the summer, when we don't need any water, that's when the Delta typically is, is in balance and they can, uh, you can get water through the Delta. That's when most of the water will be released to our partners in, uh, in central and Southern California. So, uh, so you're buying storage and then it's gonna be your decision as to whether you take that water or whether you store it and keep building, you know, filling your bucket up. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, so so the, this is year over year storage you, you're talking about because a lot of us, I know, I mean, you're you're living with it too. There is just a user to lose it every single year. So what you're saying is that the, it's a percentage of storage and then, okay, guess what? You, you're full on your storage and there could have been more water. It goes to the other users because you've already hit your mat, that kind of thing. It's very much focused on how much storage is in there. Exactly. So my water district, we started out, we wanted 20,000 acre feet of output. But what, when we went to the storage con, uh, con, um, concept, now we only want 4,000 feet be, because the storage, we can store it. We only need it about once every six or seven years. So we're just gonna keep accumulating that water, filling our bucket up. And then the year when we need it, it all comes out. So now all of a sudden the water for us, we need to buy 
less storage, uh, less water on the output side to, to make it affordable for us. So again, it's a whole new concept. It's, it's not the Bureau making the decision for you. You're gonna make your own decision as to whether you use it, lose it, or, or uh, store it. I think it's interesting. Very you can lose concept. it. You can lose it. Well, That's not a concept we have here. So we buy capacity in pipes. We buy we buy space into storage. Metropolitan does a um, conjunctive use project where they buy s storage in your groundwater system or aquifer. So w that doesn't mean you lose it. It just means when you get to call it, right? It, it, it's, well, it's a new concept for farmers because for farmers, it's always been for a long time, use it or lose it. And the only thing you could call on was your groundwater. You know, I mean, like, like exchange contractors, use it or lose it. Westlands, it's it's a reasonably, because I also farm in Westlands, for instance, it's it's reasonably new, I think, the idea of, I mean, at this point, San Louis for us is just kind of storage for um, water we buy and that we could also just lose it like that. You know, it's like, sorry, that it's already called for, it's spoken for, the room is is taken up. And if you don't get your water out of there, it's, I got to get this other water in there. So that, Fritz, that's why it sounds so weird to me. So it, it is, it's not a use it or lose it, right? So if Metropolitan decides to hold water there, we don't lose our water, right? Right. So, so what happens again is, is you have a bucket and, mm -hmm. and once the bucket's full, you know, you can't put any more water in the bucket because it's full. So then that's the maximum you can have. But some people have already expressed that they want to use their, their allocation every single year. So they'll never fill their bucket up because they're constantly taking from that, um, that bucket. And oh, by the way, you know, to get Prop 1, we had to do a lot of modeling. We had to model out to 2070 in terms of how this project's going to perform. And it actually performs better in the... Um, in uh, the climate change scenarios where you have the extremes, mm -hmm. extremely wet, extremely dry. And most people who, there are some people, as I said, who will use their water annually, but a lot of people are gonna be using it as a storage place to put that water for those dry years. And that's, for example, how, what my right. district's gonna do. Uh, I believe the same thing with many of the other folks in the San Joaquin. Um, I know there is one district, uh, Oh, Wheeler Ridge Maricopa water storage, they plan on using it to trickle it down because they want to put it in groundwater, just as Darcy talked about earlier, you know, you have to modulate that flow and people who are big proponents of, of groundwater don't understand that it takes surface water to put in the groundwater. And um, <laughs> um, when we watch it go out, uh, you know, in millions of acre feet per day uh, in the winter, you can't put that in the groundwater. No, and you're going to get my blood pressure up, Fritz. So let's let's not talk about water underneath the Golden Gate Bridge today. You know, water districts in general, not necessarily irrigation districts, but water districts are used to planning for 50 years out. We, Jeff Keitlinger, former general manager of Metropolitan, put it best. We're in the forever business. We're not in the for right now business. So, you know, um, and it's interesting to see how things change as you model it farther out. Now, obviously... Is it going to be 100%? No, because you don't have a crystal ball. But I think what's important is that you can demonstrate that you've done your homework, right, to some of these special interest groups that, that may not necessarily um, think that this is a top priority project or a necessary project. Um, I, I think that modeling, those studies, 
the partnerships, the variety and diversity of your partnerships um, make this a a project for everyone, not just for that particular area, right? This is just not an, a Northern California project. Those partnerships are so important. And the, the challenge for the sites project has been trying to get an environmental uh, organization to support the project. You know, it's just a taboo that if you're an environmental organization, you can't, no one can, um, can uh, approve of a dam or support a dam. But what they really need to do though, is look at, okay, where is it? As Darcy said earlier is, you know, it's off stream. So we're not damming a river. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, it's not a dam, it's a reservoir, which to me are right. two conceptually different things. Like San Luis is a, it, it, it's a, not a dam, it's a reservoir. And if you stop pumping, it stops filling, right? So, you know, yeah, and, you and I don't think anybody in the Bay Area wants to get rid of San Luis. I don't think San Jose or, or Valley Water, anybody wants to get rid of that, you know? No, I mean, that's the thing is this is such an important project, but, but we, you know, if you look at what, what we're modeling in terms of when we take water off of the river, um, basically we're only gonna take water off when it's in flood stage. And, you know, the, the project initially, you know, 10 years ago, the project had double the output because we were gonna take a lot more water off the river, you know, at, at some lower flows, but we were always trying to keep in mind the environment. You know, we, we, can't, we can't deprive the environment of water, but when we see, okay, you know, keep your blood pressure down, but when we see all of that water going out, we know that we could take some of that and not have an impact on fish, um, but, well, I'd say it have a positive impact on fish too, right? Because in years like now, you want to keep the salinity out. You know, they're putting up that, how much is that? You've talked about it with me before, Darcy. How much, who paid for the salinity barrier and how much did it cost? Right. It was how many millions and everything. And it's like, well, this is a good way to, to help that either eliminate that or help that do its job by having this water that in years like now, if we want to maintain the ecosystem we have, we need that water. You, you know, know, we're getting close to the end, Fritz. So- one of the things we like to make sure is we have some place to send our listeners to get more information. Is there a website or a resource that we can uh, put on our page and link to that we can get information about your project and um, find a way that we can have our listeners support your project? Sure. Um, if you go to sitesproject.org, um, it's full of information. Um, you can look on there and you can see if your actual, your water agency is participating in the, in the project or not. Um, you can look up facts. So when you pick up the newspaper and you read something, I would definitely validate it because um, as we know in today's world, not all information that comes through newsprint or in blogs is correct. And try to be informed. I think that's, I wish California and all these water issues could, could actually get good information. And uh, I think we would have fewer fights because we would agree uh, that the solutions being presented actually aren't that terrible. And there's trade-offs. Absolutely. So I wanna thank you, Fritz, for, for joining Darcy and I. Darcy, any final comments? No, I don't. I think this sounds, I've been, you know, this is a long gestating project that I'm ex excited to see uh, get done. When do you think, um, my last question is, so start to finish, when do you hope to be, have it up and running? We hope to have it running uh, in 2030. So it's, it's a pretty optimistic, uh, but 
but in the water without world, though that is very fat in my head eight years that's that's pretty quick and i'd, I'd like it faster but that's exciting yep yep exactly thanks again fritz thank you thank you for listening to another we grow california episode and being a part of our community be sure to like subscribe submit your questions and guest requests at ecwaterpack.com forward slash podcast that's ecwaterpac.com forward slash podcast today <laughs>